Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ballistic Podcast, the post-game version of the Ballistic Podcast. I'm your co-host, Guru Ron Prakash, live from San Jose, California, and along with me, as usual, from Monterey, California, is Vikram Khan. We're here to talk about the thrilling 122-121 to victory for the Golden State Warriors over the Milwaukee Bucks. Obviously, whenever the Warriors have a, have a big win and an unexpected win, uh, Vikram and I always seem to be want, wanting to talk about it on a on a pod, a post game podcast. So, Vikram, it's great to have you on the show, and and let's talk some hoops, dude. Absolutely, man. Uh, let's be honest here. The word for this is unexpected, and, so, <laughs> let's and, be. and quite quite frankly, if this was one of the only unexpected wins the Warriors had on the season then we would be like, oh, it, this was probably, you know, just, just by chance. Maybe this is a turnaround moment, but I don't want to get into any of that right now because, I mean, we've seen the Warriors, like, have wins like this over the course of the season, and it not really amounting to anything as far as how the rest of the season goes or how, how a stretch of games go even, right? They, they have been extremely inconsistent throughout the season, and, and, and this just lends uh, credence to that fact, Vikram. 100% right. Consistency has always been a problem. Like, we should preface this podcast with they beat the Milwaukee Bucks without Giannis, so that's uh, slightly less impressive. But to be 100% honest, with just True Holiday and Chris Middleton, I would have expected the Bucks to win, particularly because their bench is a whole heck of a lot better than what the Warriors have going. And uh, I'm not going to lie, when Jeff Teague had like 15, I was like, oh, yeah, we're about to get our we're about to get our butts kicked by by the Bucks tonight. So, you know, I I was frankly shocked. And and I think I think it just goes back to like we the Warriors went up by 13 in that first quarter. And that really provided the cushion they needed for the rest of the game. Starting fast. Yeah, yeah, started starting fast. And even though that lead dissipated quickly. I, I mean, uh, that was really one of the one, one of the runs that Milwaukee made, and and then like you never let Milwaukee make a run at the beginning of the game, right? Because if Milwaukee went up like ten nothing or fifteen two or went on this, even a similar run that the Warriors went on at the beginning of the game, you would really find yourselves. Uh, yep. You just don't want to play catch up. In other yeah, words, right? Exactly. You just really, really don't want to play catch up at this point. Precisely, and like uh, I, the Warriors got up to got to, got off to a hard start from three point land. Uh, they got James Wiseman involved early, which was really, really important. Wiseman had a double double in in the first in the first half, I believe, uh, and uh, uh, he ended up with 13 points and 10 rebounds and a, a very efficient thir- 13 points at that. Uh, tell me what you liked about James Wiseman's game today and how this has to translate to, to future games if the Warriors want to have a chance to you know uh, get some momentum going into the playing tournament. Dude, James Wiseman is huge. Uh, all this kind of BS that's going around about, oh, the guy's got bad hands, all that stuff. I don't think he has bad hands at all. I just think that the game was going too fast for him. I saw him grab rebounds tonight. I saw him catch balls. I saw as long as he expects it, as long as his mind is where it needs to be, he's able to catch these things no problem. Uh, the one play that I was most impressed with was he tried to absolutely yam on a dude on the fast break cock back and everything he ended up missing the dunk but i i just enjoyed the fact that he went for it and you know that's what i want to see out of james wiseman is having fun understanding that you if you do what you're good at everything else will come and follow for you 
you've been the best player at every level until you've gotten to the NBA and you have the potential to be a truly, truly special player in the league. You just got to let it come to you. And, and I think more games like tonight will help him kind of get there. You know, he had 13 and 10. He had 11 and 10 at the half. Uh, I did think the Warriors kind of went away from him in the third, but that was mostly because Steph Curry had like 19 in the third himself. Uh, mm-hmm. I did think for the Warriors, uh, the rotation choice they made uh, going into the fourth quarter was pretty important to me, which was that they pulled Wiseman out earlier in the third so that they could bring him in with Poole to run the second unit of the fourth. And I thought that actually worked pretty well because Poole got a, you know, was able to use the Wiseman screen to get into the paint uh, for some floaters and, and some kind of those mid-range floaters and pull-up type game. And I thought that was really critical for them. And uh, James Wiseman had a layup in that that period, his only bucket of the second half. But I think that that rotation choice is, is actually a lot better. Uh, I thought that in going into the second quarter, that bench unit, although they somehow managed to keep the game close, thanks to like a Kelly Oubre rim around three, uh, I thought that uh, that second unit was really rough. And Kevon Looney being in that se- second unit is just really tough. So I, I really did like that, sm- that small change that Steve Kerr made moving into the fourth quarter. And I actually hope that that's permanent. And he does that for the second and fourth quarters too. And that's more like uh, more like the lineups he, he used to run it earlier in the season. But I want to see Wiseman and Jordan Poole as the focal point of that second unit. Because I think that's a- an actual offensive identity that they can run. Uh, as opposed to the mismatch that it is now. And, and you mentioned offensive identity. I think that is one thing that the second unit has been missing. And and that is the reason why they went 0-3 on, the, on, on that road trip. is because the second unit lacked an offensive identity. They couldn't manufacture their own offense. And, be, and because of that, you either really depended on Jordan Poole getting hot or, you know, having Kelly Oubre being able to create their own offense. And they're just not that... I mean, they're they're not that ty- those types of players just yet. You know, you need you need an, uh, something to start up the engine, right? And 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 that's where the pick and roll really comes into play, right? It's yep. it's not something you run all the time, but it's something to just like start the engine or, or just just keep it going, keep it rolling. And like it really paid paid dividends at the beginning of the second quarter because when Steph came back into the game, the Warriors had actually added on to the lead that they had at the end of the first quarter. Right. And, and that's, that's really what they need to do in order to, uh, in order to obviously give Steph the rest that he, that he requires, but, but also be able to stay in a game and eventually win a game. I think you're hundred percent right. Right. Like, I don't know, man, this can't be sustainable for Steph, right? Like you just can't expect the man to score 36, 37, then 41. Right. Like, Steph's on some sort of terror to get these dudes in the 10th seed, you know, like that's insane to me. This is, this isn't even like, they're not even a playoff team right now. So I I just, they have to make it easier for him. I think he would love it if James Wiseman had like a, a 25 point game and he only needed to score 18 in a game. I think he'd be thrilled. I think he'd love that. Right. Obviously, it goes. I mean, it, it goes back to that, like to those, to those championship days, right? Sometimes he would have big scoring games. Sometimes Clay Thompson would have big scoring games. Sometimes KD would have big scoring games. And you know, like I think that okay, that is the way that Steph who... Curry has been uh, has been, you know, programmed to operate 
over the past several years. And, and now that he, he's sort of taking the wheel of this team, it, it, it's something that is, is, is sort of new for him. If you if, if you go back the last couple of years and see what what his norm has has become. But uh, but like, yeah, going back to that, even after this win, the Warriors are still 24 and 27 and, and, and they're still in the in the 10 seed right now. And that's not a good position to be in. Even if you are in the play and you're in the 10 seed, you have to win two games in order to, you know, get into get into get into the playoffs and uh, the, two games in a single in the elimination environment. Just ask any of the teams that played in the NCAA tournament how, what that feels like. It's not it's not a great feeling. And it. It's 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 a do or die situation where anything can happen. Yeah, but so, like let's let's be honest here. It's not like Zaza Pachulia ever had like twenty five in a game. I don't think. No, I can't remember that. So like never. I think that's the thing is their system's not really designed around getting a center a whole bunch of points, and that's the tricky piece. And I think you know all of the criticism of the Warriors is still relevant now. Like even though they got this win, it's a fantastic win. The problem still remains that Steve Kerr has to fundamentally change this offense. And I think he's getting closer to it with that second unit now that he recognizes, yeah, I think Jordan Poole to James Wiseman is a working combination. Let's let Jordan Poole be the point guard. This Nico Mannion experiment is kind of uh, kind of over, you know? Exactly. So, I let's mean... Just, let's let Jordan Poole be the point guard. He he has proved that he's more than capable for them for making plays for others. Is he a pure point guard in the in, in, in the meaning of what a pure point guard is? Probably not. But he is the he's the guy in the second unit who should be having the ball in his hands the most because he obviously he attracts some defensive attention. And when you're able to attract that defensive attention, you're either getting a switch on a screen that you really like or you're getting extra attention on that screen where you can, you can, you know, lob, lob it up to James Wiseman or pass it off to another player. He's shown that playmaking, that playmaking flair, and you can see that he had six assists today. So um, obviously, he, he he does look to pass. He's not just he he's not just a bona fide scorer, or he's not just he's not just becoming that bona fide scorer. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's. He's been, you know, the last few games he's been struggling more than, you know, he had a series of 20-point games and things like that. Uh, he's not an eight-point-a-game scorer. He's not a 20-point-a-game scorer. He's somewhere in between on, like, 44%, 40 to 44% shooting. So not super efficient, but good enough, right? And that's mm-hmm. kind of what I expect from, from Jordan Poole. And I think we're going to get there with him, too. Like, I'm actually pretty excited uh, to watch him for the rest of the season. And I mean, as much as I would love for the Warriors to make the play-in tournament and the playoffs, you know, if it means getting these guys more development time, I would rather that, I think, personally. Because I just think that that's just better for the Warriors to in the short to, to mid to long. I think it's actually just better for them all, all around, right? Because I'm like, what good is it unless Steph Curry really wants to get bounced in the first round? Like, is that really what you want to do? And I'm curious, like, I'd, I'd love to kind of be a fly on the wall in, in some of Steph and Steve Kerr and Bob Myers' conversations on this, because I imagine they're having them. Like, what's the goal here? Is it to, you know, give the Jazz a run for their money in the first round and, you know, get ceremoniously or unceremoniously bounced from the playoffs? Because, like, that's their best case scenario, right? That they somehow make it into the eighth seed after the play-in game uh, and they play the Jazz, and they probably lose in like five games. So I don't know. I'm not sure that that's particularly useful. I think I might rather have a pick in the high lottery 
And, and, and right. I think, uh, I mean, I do, I do think that you're onto something there. I, I just want to see some like continuity from the players that we have on the roster, continuity yeah. from the, from the young players that we have on the roster. And obviously when we, we talk about young players, I'm, I'm talking about James Wiseman and a Jordan Poole, just to name a few. And, 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 you know, like when, when James Wiseman has the kind of game that he had in Atlanta, that's what hurts me the most. It's, I mean, uh, losing the game, obviously when, when when things are not going for you in that way and that second unit is not producing at the clip you want to which is going to happen some games like when you're playing when you're playing a bunch of young players in in the lineup along with like you know Kelly Oubre and uh, and you know whoever else you want to put in there during that time Damian Lee or Kevon Looney you're not going to be able to produce offense during on at, at some junctures in the game and because of that you might lose some games and I'm I'm okay with that but like when when James Wiseman has the kind of sort of deflating game that he had if, if Jordan Poole does not uh, like uh, does, has like a string of bad games put together, uh, and like the team like loses by fifty, like these are like demoralizing losses. Yeah, right? but like and the I, bigger and, and, and no team wants to be, wants to go through that, right? It's 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 not only demoralizing, but it also like leaves you in question, like what does the future hold, right? And absolutely, yeah. But I think the bigger problem in the Atlanta game is. James Wiseman played well in his first stint, and they still didn't, you know, they didn't keep him in. That's what baffled the heck out of me is, like, he played pretty well in his first stint. I thought he matched up on, with Capella pretty well, and they just didn't put him back in. And I'm like, you have to play him minutes. He's played about half as many minutes as Anthony Edwards. And, yeah, I know, and some of the other rookies, like 16th or 17th in terms of minutes, right? Like, yeah, and I get it. You know, he's been... He's been out, he's been hurt, he's been all these other things. I get it. With that being said, like, he really needs to get more minutes. Like, that's the biggest thing we can do for the guy. And what do you make of that let me Let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there and ask you a question. What do you think of Steve Kerr's comments that he's not ready for the extra load? Well, if he's not ready now, he's not going to be ready next year. And if he's not if he's not ready next year, you can kiss your championship chances goodbye. So I mean, get him ready, Steve Kerr. Like develop the man. Like that's kind of the end thing is you know I understand that Steve Kerr gets a lot of leeway and and rightfully so he's earned uh, he's earned the opportunity to coach this team through all of its uh, all of its good parts and its bad parts. You know, he's led them to he led them to five straight finals. He deserves a lot of credit for that. I mean, but that being said, at the same time, you have to adapt a little bit to your personnel and understand that, yeah, James Wiseman is kind of a project big man right now. And he'll continue to be until until you do something about it. And so the only way that I see this working for him is he's gotta get James Wiseman as ready as humanly possible. And that's gotta be the focus of the remainder of the season. And because if you can't, the Warriors have to start thinking about, well, do we want to trade James Wiseman? And if, you're, if you want to think about trading James Wiseman, his value better be at that number two pick value that you drafted him as. Because I, he's not going to, I don't think they would get that value for him because they every every team in their mom would know that they're trying to trade him. Exactly. Precisely. But like if you're trying to trade for, you know, another superstar, like a, like a, if a Bradley Beal becomes available during the offseason so, or Carl Towns becomes available, you know. You'd... I think the type of team that would be available or the type of star that might be available uh, is actually. My man, Pascal Siakam. 
I think that might be the type of trade that that ends up potentially happening with Wiseman, because that's something that I think that would interest Toronto getting a high upside big man to get a disgruntled star out there plus a pick or two. By, right? by the way, shout out to the Toronto Raptors and Gary Trent Jr. is playing really, really well there. They they know how to develop backward players. I, I just got to say, they know how to develop players. Yeah. Period. So I actually think Wiseman would be well would be well developed there in other words i think is the best way to put it but yeah yeah so that's the first piece of it the other thing i would say is like the warriors have to figure out what they're gonna do with the kelly Oubre situation because i'll be honest kelly Oubre and andrew wiggins tonight you know they were both kind of rough but they had some clutch moments with Andrew Wiggins on that last second block. Kelly Oubre was in the possession too, uh, preventing Pat Connaughton from getting an easy put back there. Uh, Kelly Oubre hit two critical free throws in like the last minute of the game to put him up by one. I mean, they did a really good job in this game. And, so, and Andrew Wiggins, for uh, for everything that like he has been this season, he deserves some... Uh, some mention for all NBA, at least second team or third team, because like he has been, he's been great defensively. And like, you, you meant all defensive team, not okay. Not yeah, all I mean all defense, of course. That's what I meant. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, like yeah, all NBA. Yeah, 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 yeah no, definitely not. Not the nine that. points, a four fifteen shooting. No way. <laughs> but but yeah, now that's a, but that's but a but Andrew Wiggins, he's been he's he's been great defensively. And like there, there, there was one like stat that I saw on Reddit the other day, uh, where, where if it had been Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Andrew Wiggins are in the lineup, their offensive efficiency—that is, the Warriors' offensive efficiency—is actually through the roof. So, so it's actually Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Andrew Wiggins, and any two two other offensive players that are not named Kelly Oubre and James Wiseman. The the Warriors are actually a very, really really efficient offensively and one of one of the better offensive teams in the in the league. But like when uh, Kelly Oubre and James Wiseman enter the picture, they are actually the ninth worst offensive team in NBA history. So like they take that with like a I mean uh, with a pinch of salt. But uh, th- that brings up my next question, Vikram. Like you, you you talked about the system and we talked about the players in the system. Like. Uh, it, are are the players a part of the, are, are are players a part of a system or is the system what builds players? Well, this is the the good old Phil Jackson right. thing, right? Uh, you need players that actually fit into a system ultimately. Unfortunately, that's the case, right? Like you just can't. It's a players' league. Yeah, I mean. Forget even it's a player's league type of stuff. At the end of the day, you need players, and it's that simple. And you have to adapt your system to the players that you have. And the reason I say that is if you look at the Nick Nurses, the Greg Popoviches, the Brad Stevenses of the world, right? Like these top coaches, they have so many iterations of their team, particularly like the Spurs, right? Like Greg Popovich is a great example of this uh, where, you know – like he's gone from the the twin towers approach to having to shooting the most threes, even though he personally dislikes threes, to a different style now to Lamarcus Aldridge, to all of these different players, right? And I mean, 
that's important when you really think about it because that's what gives you the opportunity to best optimize your system. When you had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green, yeah, okay, cool, motion made sense. But that's not always the case, you know? Like, that's just not going to be it. And I would like to add Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala to that. Andre Iguodala, To that conversation because they're the brains behind the, I mean, uh, behind the brawn, quite frankly. I mean, but. They they made that system work more than any other player, and I, I explained to my dad. Yeah. I was explaining to my dad the other day. This is why Sean Livingston and Andre Godard were so important, and not because of what they did on in the box score, so to speak, but what they did outside the box score, which is so so important. And now that the Warriors don't have those types of players anymore, like you're you're seeing the result of players who are are not of that caliber from a basketball IQ perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely true, but I'm I'm thinking more the the Zaza Pachulias as well and David West. You know, there are a lot of players that the Warriors have cycled through that are these very smart, really intelligent, great basketball IQ on both ends of the floor type of players, right? Even somebody like Leandro Barbosa is an example. Like they have a lot of they had a lot of really quality role players and Certainly at this moment, they don't. And so the question ends up being, well, in that situation, what are you going to prioritize? And I think that they're trying to figure that out right now. And, you know, I'm not going to say that Steve Kerr has done a great job this year with it, but I understand why it's hard, uh, particularly because he's never had to try to balance these, uh, these two competing priorities, winning and developing talent. The problem I'm having right now with their approach is, it feels like they're doing neither. And I would rather they just pick one or the other and let it roll. Precisely. I mean, I'm in complete agreement with you. I also wanted to talk about the fouling, right? And and the Warriors have been notorious for fouling. Tonight, not so much. They, they sort of kept it under control, uh, except for Draymond Green. He had six fouls. But... Uh, but, but but coming back, like fouling has been an has been an issue for this team go, go, going back, right? It's been it's been sort of the reason why they have they they lost the game they they lost the games they lost on the road is because they they they, they kept fouling guys and they kept giving and ones and and and, and, when, and when you do that and and the, and the three point fouls as well were uh, like back backbreakers, especially in the Atlanta game. You could. Like if you have two three point shooting fouls within the span of a couple of minutes, you are pr- pretty much giving yourself up to lose that lose game, game. Yeah. right? You're gonna lose games. Yeah. So yeah. like, what is with these foul issues, Vikram? Is it just because the defense is not quiet on a string, or is it a disciplinary issue? Are they reaching too much, or is it just a combination of everything? It's kind of a combination of everything, but it really feels like. I mean, you have some foul prone players, right? Like James Wiseman. I don't expect him to. Oh yeah, I mean, like to I, not I be a foul prone player. Like he's a young nineteen year old big. Like he's gonna pick up some fouls, right? But it's like the Kent Bazemore's of the world. He's like the perimeter player with the most fouls in the league. I mean, like that's just not really understandable. And Kelly Oubre's pretty high propensity fouler. I mean, like a lot of these guys are. So it's just it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I think what Steve Kerr said, like he's saying that. This is something they prioritize every single day. Uh, and if it's not getting through, the only way to do it is you start having a sub dudes out. I think that's the answer to this, right? You inflict punishment until they kind of shape up. You sub them out until they do the 
they do what they're supposed to do. I don't really think there's an alternative to that at this point. Like, you can't just keep playing through fouls. You know, like you just can't. And, and teams get into bonus really, really quickly against the Warriors more so than I've seen under other teams get into the bonus. <laughs> it's, it's it's just really, really frustrating. Is because and, and and that's really the reason why those 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 fourth quarters are are. Are, are so difficult when Steph does come back in the game, right? So they're so difficult to catch up for them from those deficits is because they're already in the bonus by the time Steph comes in the game. So it, it, it's, uh, it's almost like you're, you're fighting a losing battle there and you don't even have, uh, you don't even have any fouls to give. So teams just sort of bank off of that. And, and, and that's how teams close out the game at the free throw line. Yeah. It's tough to like, quite frankly, it is next to impossible to defend. I mean, like, you pick up fouls, but like we want to pick up good fouls, not bad fouls. And I think that the that the Warriors consistently give up really dumb fouls. I thought like tonight Draymond Green had one on Chris Middleton where he had him trapped on the corner. And I'm like, why would you foul him there? It doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, so like there, there are just things like that. Or Steph in the last game had like an absolutely ridiculous foul right before the half, right? And he said as much. It's just... It just doesn't make and sense. It is. It is really. It's really the reason why the Warriors are under five hundred right now. It's if, if they were if they were out of five hundred, they would be in the eight seed, and maybe and maybe we're we're, we're talking about them a, a little differently. Maybe not. Maybe they remain inconsistent in our eyes. But like obviously, this is game number fifty one. How many games did they have left on the season? They're from 20, 20 games left on the season. Twenty one games. 21, 21 games, a 72 game season, right? So you have 21 games left. Like, it becomes hard to determine the direction of the team because they lose by 50 one night and they beat the Bucks like a couple of nights later. It's like sort of like, what are we doing here? And then like they beat they beat the Grizzlies without Steph one day, and then they lose every game on the road after that. And it's like, are you are you tanking? Are you not? What what, what is going on? Are is 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 the story of the season just like that? There is no story to tell. It's it's a really like topsy turvy, lackadaisical, uh, incomprehensible sort of season. I mean, I think it's a little bit of the latter. I think I think they expected. I think that the take that I heard earlier today was this idea that they expected James Wiseman to be at worst JaVale McGee. And I was like, really? I don't know, man. But... That seems like a bad take. Because, like, JaVale McGee is still pretty good, you know. I understand he's not the greatest player, but certainly in this environment, I think he would be a, a nice fit with the Warriors right now. And expecting a 19-year-old who's got very little basketball experience to be that good uh, just isn't realistic. So there's – it's topsy-turvy because they built the team wrong, and they built the team wrong because they expected to have Clay Thompson. And it's kind of that simple. So I don't necessarily – in some sense, I don't really blame them for not performing as expected – with that being said, at the same time, I think that they've done a really poor job of maximizing the elements on their roster. So that's the thing. Is it topsy-turvy? Yes. Have they run into bad luck in some places, especially with, like, Steph's tailbone? Like, absolutely. But, like, that doesn't really excuse Draymond Green's disappearance as an offensive uh, a player. A lot of teams right? have had worse luck than the Warriors this year, especially from a COVID perspective, that – 
Exactly. And that really, like, the Warriors have been dealt, I would say, like, apart from Clay's injury, the Warriors have been dealt a pretty good hand this year. Yeah, I think you're right on that. You're you're spot on. Yeah, and, and for this year to go the way that has gone, I mean, it's like people are saying like, don't take this year and they sort of extrapolate it because it's a it's a weird year. But how many years are you going to say that? Like last year was a weird year. This year was a weird year. Like I mean, I don't really care about whether the year is weird or not. I just want to see growth at the end of the day, right? And I'm not seeing that either. Yeah. So it just ends up becoming a whole bunch of nothing. And the real problem is Steph only has so many good years left, right? Like, I mean, he's 33 now, and, like, he's playing like a top-five player in the league at the moment. But, I mean, this has to stop at some point. The history for these small guards is not great, right? And, I mean, as he's already pretty injury-prone. So, I mean, for the Warriors, if you're the Warriors, you got to be like, we have to maximize every single year remaining of his prime. And I mean, it's it's kind of that simple again. And they need to find a way to do that. So I think that, I think that there there's no way that they make both of their picks next year, right? Like they're gonna either have to trade Wiseman, they're gonna have to trade one of those picks. I don't see a point in trying to develop more than one of these guys at the same time. I think a lot's gonna be about how they feel about James Wiseman's uh, development next year, or like when I say next year, I mean during the summer and things like I mean, that. Like- I think that's going to be pretty critical for them. If, if, if the, uh, I mean, if the Warriors do end up with with top with with two top fourteen picks, right? With two with two lottery picks next year, which is which is what it, which is what it's looking like, right? They're going to end up with two. Uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty likely. likely that they end up with two lottery picks, and you know, uh, and and this is, I mean, if you are in a draft and you are in the lot, this is the year to be in the lottery. Uh, I, quite frankly, this, I mean. Obviously, we have the cream of the crop at the top of the draft. I like all the top four players, actually. Like uh, you, you talk about Kate Cunningham, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, and um, and uh, and, and uh, Mobley. Uh, what, what's his first name? Well, if we're uh, I can't remember. Evan, Evan Mobley. Listen, there I you go. Remember. Yeah. And so the problem there is uh, if you take Evan Mobley, what the heck are you going to do with Wiseman? But you know that aside. Right. Exactly. And like. And at the bottom of the draft, you have, I mean, at the bottom of the um, lottery, you have some some players who were highly touted before, but sort of dropped off because of uh, because of performance concerns or character concerns. Jalen Johnson being one of them, uh, Zaire Williams being another. So the, the Warriors have a chance to draft two young players. But then the question becomes, like, those players are young. They are, you know, they're both freshmen. Most of the guys who are drafted in the lottery are are freshmen. They're not. They're not Corey Kispert, who's there and who's somehow a senior and being projected in the lottery. I. I mean, I. I, uh, I think that's the first time I've seen that in a I while. Mean, but it's like the Naismith argument, right? Like shooting is still a premium yes, skill. Yes, yes, and he de- he definitely has that. It reminds me of Joe Harris quite a bit. But Joe Harris took a while to become Joe Harris. I would say that. Yeah, and that's the and and that's exactly right. Yeah, right. Like. It took a while to get to that point. Exactly. So, yeah, coming coming back to this, like then it becomes about about Steph and like those those young players along with James Wiseman. Yeah, might be a good team three or four years from now, but like not, but 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 not next year probably. And like they, you would have to go through a ton of growing pains, probably double the growing pains. And like that's that's not something you would want Steph Curry to like uh, to go through in his in the latter years of his career 
at least you would you would hope that he wouldn't be, he wouldn't go through that and and because of that the warriors would probably end up like being being in a trade with another one of these teams the question is which team is willing to trade with them and what are they willing to trade and what's what's the market looking like this offseason it's it's tough to tell yeah and i mean i think the biggest thing for the warriors like for me looking forward and projecting for them is like James Wiseman needs to be, or not just James Wiseman, sorry. I mean, Draymond Green has to be a little bit more offensively suited. Like, he has to score more than two or three points a game. He just has yep. to. He had the first layup and like a mid-range jump shot today, but that was just Teams are giving him so much space. It's like, <laughs> oh my God. I can't. Dude, it is rough to watch the lineups with him and Looney yep. on it, where those guys just aren't guarded. Like I like the fact that Looney shot a three in his first possess or in his first couple possessions in the game. I'm like, a, I think Looney can actually hit a couple threes, and he has. You just this need to year. keep the defense honest at but, the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, like, just just so they don't drop the head yeah. off of you. The, the guy you know, who's like, is, it's like watching Andrew Bogut guard Tony Allen in the playoffs. Yeah, it's just like huh. to not be guarded at all is just so hard for this team. Because, like, Steph has to do so dang much. And, I mean, you know, against a team like the Bucks that plays that drop coverage, right? I mean, they tried a little bit of blitzing him off the ball and double-teaming him. But at this at this point of his career, Steph is just too good. Like, he he understands where that coverage is. And he understands how to, how to play against it. And every team is kind of junking it up with him because there's nobody else on the floor. Right, there's not a second playmaker, right, outside of Draymond Green, and Draymond Green takes there, away there a lot. There isn't even too. a second shooter. They can really think about it. I know Andrew Wiggins has had I a mean, good, good. No, he's definitely he's not, not a shooter. He, if you he's, watch he's not a shooter, but I, I just want to give him a quick shout out. He has been shooting well since the All Star break, except yes, for this yes. game. He, he's probably been the best. He's been the best Warrior because Steph has missed right. so much time. Uh, which is again, you know, this is like damning with faint praise, mm-hmm. of course. But but anyways, I like you might you guys might have noticed in this episode we're not we haven't really talked about the Bucks because we we really just think this is a, a sort of a, a one off game. They did not play. I mean, obviously Giannis didn't play. They still should have won, but you know it's just like yeah. for for them it's like one of those games they're they're going to get right back at it. Yeah, you know, and and you know, like not having your best player makes it somewhat difficult as well, right? Yeah. But so here's the crazy thing. The Lakers beat the Raptors without AD and Kawhi, AD. right? Like, or sorry, AD and LeBron. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's the crazy thing, right? Like, when you think about it, you're just like, wait a second. The Warriors just lost by fifty to this team. Yeah, I'm like, well, also Van Vliet didn't play, and uh, I don't know if you watched that game. There was a very fun double ejection of uh, OG Ananobi and Montrezl Harrell. I would love to watch that. Oh my god, it was pretty yeah, hilarious. Am I the only guy, I, I don't, I the don't only actually... guy that loves watching players get ejected on YouTube? Uh, no, there's a there's a whole compilation. Yeah, and, I, and it, I've and watched every one. Like, I, enjoy, I enjoy watching players argue with refs and get ejected uh, for some most... reason. It's like my fetish. Oh, there's, there's a... <laughs> there's like a most heated... Um, most heated moments in the NBA compilation. And this one is great because Schroeder uh, basically fouls OG Ananobi from behind and just wraps him up. And uh, 
they kind of get tangled going to the ground. And that part's fine. It wasn't like, oh, it, Tender Shooter did a good job of holding him up. OJ Nobi goes full MMA on this on Schroeder and like leg sweeps and throws him backwards. It was really funny. The reason I say it's funny is because I actually like looking at it. I don't think he knew he was doing that. And then Montres Harrell comes in and he's like, "This is my teammate," and uh, and just shoves dudes out of the way to get in there and gets ejected. Yeah, so. I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm actually watching it right now without any sound. But it it, it it it's hilarious. It does not look like OG's doing that on purpose necessarily. No, like he doesn't even look at it. He's either like the greatest fighter of all time, or he has no idea that he's right. doing this. And I, I think it's uh, it's more likely that. And he like even comes out and he's like, "My bad, my bad." But uh, he ends up getting kicked out of the game, and so does. Yeah, uh, I mean, and, and and did you see Dennis Shooter and and Rajon Rondo get into it? Uh, uh, I think it was Rondo's last game in Atlanta. I think it was, and um, and and um, Rondo sort of like dug his head into like I mean, there were, Rondo was playing defense and foul shooter, and shooter sort of like got in his face. It was a little, it was a little uh, ticky tack, but it, it was fun to see. I love watching things. But anyways, yeah, you know, I I enjoy like that's a that's an example of one where I was not entirely certain that that was. You know, did that really need to be a double or a double ejection? I don't really think so. I think they could have probably kept both of them in the game, but you know what do All I right. know? So yeah, that's that's our episode for today, guys. And hopefully, we'll have a little more longer form episode for night for you guys next this weekend. Uh, actually, like scratch that, I'm going to India this weekend. So yeah, so mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know how the heck you're gonna. Get I wish I could record that. I wish I could record plane, but on the plane, I don't care. Like. Yeah, that would be a, that would actually probably make uh, life more bearable. Yeah, yeah for of you, course, not less. Yeah, and probably less bearable than for everybody else listening. But hey, I wouldn't care at that point. But, but, but anyways, um, so yeah, catch you guys later. Hopefully, uh, Vikram, I can do an episode with you when I'm in India. Dude, that'll be fun as always. Uh, we've we've definitely course, had that happen. Yeah, been uh, to like to good success actually. I mean, it, it was a, it was a good experience uh recording as long as you have yeah. the internet connection which i'm supposed to have uh then i should i should be good to do that so yeah uh Vikram, without further ado um let's close out this episode and uh, have a good day dude you too man uh be safe on your travels and everybody stay All safe right. out there have a good night everybody